Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Genesis as we continue our verse-by-verse study. We'll be in chapter 3, verses 14 through 24. The title of the sermon is, The First Gospel Preached by God Himself. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. I think the New Living Translation says it best. It says, and, your, your will desi- and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So, the woman will desire to control the husband, but he will rule over you. So, it's very important to understand that you have two people trying to rule each other. That's, that's really what's happening in that piece of Scripture. And, and, and that's really a, a problem of the fall. And so if we go into this and into our marriages knowing there's already conflict before we ever get married. Like, we don't think about that part of it, right? There, like, the fall has already created conflict in marriage before you even start. Because you both want to rule over each other. And... and, and it's a it's sad because that's something that that our culture now is is not wanting that they when they look at the patriarchy of the family they don't want men to be in a in a masculine role of having authority our our culture has done everything it can to to show that and if you don't believe me just watch commercials how many men are doing laundry now how many men are washing dishes, having their faces painted by little girls as their home as the, as the home father? That used to never be like that. The roles have, have flipped. And it's all because of the sin that's in this world. Now God has called men to, to, uh, to lead his home, not to rule. I think that's part of the problem is like we, if we are to be Christ-like, the rule that God speaks about is in Ephesians. It's, it's in Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. Because it says, Wife, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And, I, and I, one of the things that I, I love about these pieces of Scripture is when God deals with both, both husband and wife, knowing that each want to seek the upper hand. That's, that's what, it, what the problem is. But He's telling you that your, your marriage should be Christ-like with qualities. And let's read the rest of those verses. It says, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands, your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ 
loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that might be or might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot, a spot or, or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves, him, uh, him, uh, loves his wife loves himself. See, what, what Satan wants to do right off the bat is to, to put discord in the marriage before the marriage even gets started. And this is part of the problem with the fall. We see the, the, the husband's authority in the home is, is, is in essence to, to, uh, to fuel the, the, um, the, the fuel and lead the, the house in a godly way. But it has to be, the husband has to be Christ-like and have Christ-like qualities to do that. And one of the things that we, we miss in that whole passage, and I've shared this to you, is verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence. So we both have to submit to each other. Out of reverence to who? God. God. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, Let, woman, let a woman learn in, in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be silenced. And you go, well, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? This is the problem right now in the church. Women want to have authority over men. Women want to teach on Sunday. They're not supposed to. It says here in Scripture, you can teach women, you can teach children, but you're not to be teaching the Scripture to men. To have authority over men. To lead in a... In a, in a there are women pastors now that are in a, a place of authority. But again, this goes back to what are women, what is their natural thing to want to do? To rule because of the fall. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now you read that, and that goes directly against our culture today. The, from the very beginning of it, you know, it says, hey, you, you teach them to, uh, to admonish the young women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, to be good, obedient to their husbands. And, and that goes against the culture. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Uh, I had to put that in practice this week. My wife asked me for a piece of pumpkin pie. And I had already got up twice, and this is my gluttony. I, I was on my second piece of pie. And for some reason, somebody hid the pie in the outside refrigerator. So I had to go out to the garage to get the pie. And I was on my second piece of pie, and I just got back putting it up, and then she goes, can I have a piece of pie? And I was like, my face, my face said it all. My daughter looked at me, and she goes, and I was like, I'm bitter. I, I just did exactly what this verse said not to do. And it's funny that, that God tells the husband not to be bitter, and God tells the husband not to do what? Not to chastise uh, the children, because that's our natural thing. And so it's easy for me to go, okay, this is all about the woman, this is all about how they want to rule. No, men have issues too. 
Okay, I told my wife when I was looking at this, I'm not going to just try to go one direction with this because we both are trying to rule over each other. And then she don't want the coconut. She wanted the, I bought the other kind of, I found the Cool Whip, but she wanted the coconut Cool Whip, which I was like, I, you know, wasn't even thinking. So by the fourth trip, I finally figured it out. And then my granddaughter goes, Grandpa, I want some pie. <laughs> so it's like... God was just like, I, I'm going to keep this up. You got about five more slices. You got to. So it's, it's just something for us to remember that, man, we're in a place of serving as men. Um, and we can naturally find our place in, uh, to be bitter. Um, we can naturally uh, want to not love, love her as Christ loved the church. Um, and we have to be very careful with that. And we have to understand because my wife's natural role is to rule over me. And every time we drive, she lets me know because she tells me, why didn't you go that way? I don't say nothing because I know that's her natural. That's like that's not coming from her. That's coming from the fall. And, and I'm like, I, I'm just driving. And we, we've driven this way a, a hundred times. I don't know how many times it's bothered her. Right. And, uh, and, you know, and I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that I, I'll take it next time. And so I try to remember when we're driving to go the other way, you know, and I know I drive her crazy with my driving anyway, but she's patient with me and all. But it's just something for us to remember, like my first instinct should not be to respond back because that's what Satan wants is for us to start to argue. He wants us to be in disagreement. He wants me to go, why are you trying to rule over me? And that's not, that's not what she's trying to do. She just sees a better path or she's thinking this would be quicker. And or, you know, or she's on her app and she sees, hey, there's traffic ahead or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's not worth fighting over. And so that's, you know, if there's any wisdom after 30, we're going to be 37 years this year. Uh, if there's any wisdom of that, it's like just remember as husbands, your wife's natural role is to want to rule over and you need to love her and be patient with her and try not to respond every time because that's what causes disagreements because you want to go back and rule over her. Well, don't tell me how to, you know, and that's how you start arguing and you, you can't fall for that stuff. You need to catch it because Satan will use it as bait every time and you need to catch it and say, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Love her as Christ loved the church. Remember, you submit to one another out of reverence. So you don't go, well, I'm rule. I, it's, it's my rules. It's my house. I'm going to lead it this way. You're not going to lead anybody that way. They're going to run out the door because eventually they're just going to get tired of you trying to like it's she's my helper. I, I was talking to um, my brother Oscar and on um his his wife uh, Liz just lost her father, and so they had to go to Los Angeles. But while she was in Los Angeles caring for her her father, Oscar was at home in Ido Plato doing church. And I was like, I can't imagine doing church without my wife. How hard that would be, because she's my helper. Like I I just can't imagine. So I was like, dude, I'm gonna pray for you, because I it's. It's I just can't imagine it. So there there are helpers and 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 we submit to each other out of reverence to each other, love each other, Christ like, Christ like. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Then Adam, he said, because here comes Adam's now, because you heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So he gives them two reasons here. He said, You listen to your wife, and you disobeyed a command. You disobeyed a command. You, you chose her over me, is what you did. And that should never happen. God always comes first. Always comes first. God had made it very clear what he could and couldn't do in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The reason we're in the mess that we're in is because of Adam's sin. In Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 22, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, well, uh, not willingly, but because of him who is subject in it, uh, in it in hope. Because of the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. So sin not only affected Adam and Eve, but it affected creation. Uh, futility is a, a depravity. Uh, of, and you think about the world that we're in and, and just seeing uh, the state of, our, uh, of our, our world, we know that things aren't like they used to be. There's a depravity that's happening. And creation groans for God. It says, but thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the herb of the field, is one of the versions of there. And in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 6, it says, I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. And so God judges. And when God judges, there is a consequence to our sin. That's in Isaiah. And then also in Isaiah 32, 13, on the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. Yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city, there was judgment that was placed upon Israel. In verse 19, it says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for, uh, for the dust you are and the dust you shall return. And I love Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It says, uh, What profit has a man for all his labor in which he toils under the sun? It's a rhetorical question. When we labor, you know, we think about the four aspects that Adam dealt with. There was the sorrow because of the futility of, of the hostile environment that he has to deal with. He has the pain, which, which is the thorns, right? The sweat and the tears, which is strong crying on occasion by the labor that's necessary just to maintain life and hope. At this point, he could just walk up and grab whatever fruit he wanted as long as it wasn't from that tree. He didn't have to do anything. He got to walk with God in the cool of the day. And then we see the physical death as he's going to return to dust. You think about Adam being cursed. One of the things that we, we look at is, is uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Wearing the, wearing the thorns. The same thorns and the thistles Christ wore. With great pain and suffering. 
And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, accompanied by strong crying that Jesus went through on the cross. In Psalm twenty-two, fifteen, it says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings for my jaws. The sweat drops and bloods before the final, the final uh, part of his death. He suffered. We see a lot of similarities as we look at Christ and we look at what, what Adam was going to have to go through. And all of this that Jesus sends, he sends his son in to save us. And the same thorns are placed on the crown on Jesus. And the pain that we go through through labor, the pain that we go through through illness, the pain that we go through sometimes working just to survive. Yeah, we've modernized and we've done stuff. It used to, our, our generation worked. The generation before that worked harder. This generation is struggling to figure out what work is. That's their problem. <laughs> we're, we're actually, as men, we're supposed to work. We're called to work. We're not doing it. As men, we're called to lead our homes. We're not doing it. To be, to be husbands and to be fathers. And we see so many that have just forgotten that role. We see the pain that, that even divorce causes, which is caused by the fall. Because you have two people that can't submit to each other in reverence. But we know at some point all of this is going to be done because of what Jesus did on the cross. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from, from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And we need to remember that. That's something that I think we forget. You know, as we study the fall, I think one of the biggest things that we need to remember about the fall is that Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. And we're going to be talking about the resurrection this weekend, which is awesome because that's something that we should be talking about. That He is risen. That we are supposed to share the gospel. That, that even though, I mean, even in this time it looks dark for Adam and Eve, even in this time there was hope. That's what the first gospel is about. It's good news. It's the first good news that we get. And Adam called his wife and named Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Now Eve is, is given a, a, a new name, and, and, and as we see that, she's going to be the life giver. There were no children at this time, so this statement is, is to exert. And this is something that Moses would have testified to, that all mankind descended from Adam and Eve. In verse 21, it says, And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. And so the atonement, the covering, and, and the shedding of blood. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh and the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. A life for a life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal in Christ Jesus our Lord. Prior to Christ going to the cross, you had to do sacrifices for forgiveness of sin. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says, By now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through the faith in, Christ, uh, through the faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. 
For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all born with a sin nature. Verse 24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through redemption, that is, in Christ Jesus, whom set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because His forbearance God had passed over sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might uh, be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's no other way. And, 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 you know, at the very beginning of this, we're seeing Adam and Eve fall. But that's the beauty of the book of the Bible, as we have all 66 books. We, we have the beginning and the end. And we know just from being in Mark and finishing Mark at this time, we know that Jesus dies on the cross for us. He takes the sin. He's separated from the Father for you and me. He is just and He is the justifier. And there's no other way but faith in Jesus. You have to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In verse 22 it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man. He placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden. And a flaming sword which turned everywhere, uh, every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So he drives man out of the garden, placing the cherubim with a flaming sword at the entrance. This was the kindest thing that God could have done. There was atonement as he made tunics for them. Adam and Eve had eaten from the tree of life in their sinful state. And if not for God, they would have been locked in that simple state and their consequences would have been forever. Salvation is God's search for man and man ran away from him. And God keeps calling out, where are you? Where are you? And that's something that we need to remember as I, as, as I looked at this whole chapter. And we, we see that Adam and Eve both sinned, but God holds the man responsible. And... and Many are running away from, from God. And, and salvation is in God. But we're searching for all the wrong things. And God calls out, where are you? That's a reminder to us. I mean, even as we look at, at, you know, if I think about application tonight, as I look at this, one of the things I think about is as us as husbands and wives, we need to identify. That's why I love the book. Because it, it, it teaches you right off the bat, hey, your marriage is going to be tough. Just because of sin. And if you go into it with that mindset of saying, you know what, that's what Satan wants to do. It's always been like that since Adam and Eve. And we have to recognize it. We have to recognize it. I, man, I, at the end of the day, I, I would encourage everyone to get married. I think it sanctifies both people. And I would encourage you to have kids because it sanctifies you even more. And have grandkids. Because it sanctifies you even more. I got shot in the head. Joseph hit me with a Nerf gun. And not one of those soft ones. It was the one we had at the Cactus Fest. The yellow one. That thing hurt. And he shot me from far off. He hadn't been able to hit anything all day. That thing hit me right on here. And I had a big whelp. I was like, I'm going to go to church with a big whelp on my head. And I remember before Christ, I would have yelled. Probably would have spanked him. I don't want to be that man no more. 
See, God doesn't call you to, to just have forgiveness of sin. God calls you by word and deed to live for him and become a new creation in Christ. And, and what's hurting the church today is like there's no transition of growth in, in a person. They, they, they say the prayer. They, they seek forgiveness. But their, their life bears no fruit of repentance. And, and we can't have that. You know, as, as we look at our lives as, as we're those that are preparing for marriage, those of us that have been married, those of us that have married and, and, and widowed, we know, man, there's nothing like being married. The love that's there. If it's Christ-like. If it's Christ-like. If you actually do what Ephesians says, I mean, to love her as Christ loved the church. And, and, and the culture, and this is important, the culture is just knocking up against the wall of marriage today, wanting to knock it completely down. And, and we have to, I think this is one of the things that I pray, you know, even, even as we're a small church here, is that we would, our marriages would be Christ-like and people would see it and go, I'd like to be that. Not like, I don't want anything, like I don't even want to get married. And I've said this before, if you have a bad marriage and you're doing that in your home, your kids are going to look for the same type of person. I'm sorry. It's just that that's, that's from experience. You want to be angry. You want to be mad. You want to yell and throw things. Guess what? Your, your daughters will find somebody just like you. They do every time. Every time. So, you know, application for marriages is, is simple. Be aware right off the bat. Satan's already, before you even put the ring on, he's coming after your marriage. That's what the fall did. The other thing is, is to understand that, that the state of the world that it's in right now is because of sin. And there's nothing that no one can do to try to save it. They think, well, we can try doing this or we try doing that or whatever it is. It's the sinful state of nature and creation. It is the fall and it will continue to deteriorate. That's part of the fall. Why do you think you see hurricanes increasing and earthquakes increasing? And because we're coming to the second coming of Christ. The world has an expiration date. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, but you know, the the world thinks the church is against green energy. We're not. I'm not. You can put all the windmills up and and all the the solar panels you want you can do all that but i I believe you got to do all the rest of the stuff too because i I, sadly i think the state of our country right now we're going to see a lot of people hurting this winter and they're going to need the church and we don't get on the left or the right of any of those issues we're a church we're here for christ and that's what we should be we know that creation moans moans for God that's why some of us when we go to the beach like I can remember not not even being a follower of Christ but going to the beach and I would always think man the ocean is such a big thing how did God make this we need to stop running because salvation is God and man is searching for everything and if you're doing that tonight you got to stop doing that the search is over it's God the thing that you need is God the reason we toil, the reason why we struggle, the reason why we have sin, the reason why we have cancer, 
We have COVID. We, the reason why we have all these things is because of sin. The reason why we see pedophilia, sin. The reason why you see uh, murders and, and even the, the horrific thing that happened in Idaho is because of sin. It's sin. So when people ask you, why is the world the way that it is? It's because of sin. Why does my mom have to die of cancer? Why does my dad have to die because he was in the war? It's all sin. Because men love darkness. And it started with Adam and Eve. That is why we spent so much time on chapter 3. We're done with chapter 3. <laughs> Praise God, right? I thought the rapture was going to get here before I had to get to the first gospel. But I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.